Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Straight Talk. Uh, I am one of the, I'm a co-host of this program and uh, along with my colleague, Dennis Golfin. And uh, we have a permanent panel, even though some of them are away. We have Lois Elena with us and Sterling Lands with us today. And we're going to have a couple more that'll come on. You know, the, we all know this is a Zoom presentation, but we, we are here with Straight Talk. And I think that uh, I hope what you glean from this show is that, uh, number one, we are a, a mature panel <laughs> and uh, we are well seasoned and um, some great education and some serious thought uh, has been given to many subjects and we're people given to research and uh, as well as the experiential side of things. And so we're hoping you're going to hear something that will be advantageous to your growth and experience as believers trying to um, walk productively through this life. Mm -hmm. And it's straight talk because we believe the word of God tells it just like it is. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dennis now so he can say hello, my co-host. Uh, thank you, Van, and good to be with everyone this morning. Um, we're welcoming all of our viewers on Facebook also. We're on Facebook Live as well as on um, our Zoom call, and then we're on with our podcast. And um, so we're we're looking forward to Lord bless us. And we have a YouTube channel too. We have all the information in our Facebook group on um, FaceTalk. So we're welcoming you to our panel discussion today. I know we're looking to have an exciting time, and so we thank the Lord for that. And we're going to give it back to Van, and he's going to kick the conversation off with our permanent panel. All right. Well, like I said, today we have uh, Lois Alina with us and Sterling Lands from Texas is with us today. And it's that beautiful shirt that I'm jealous of that he's <laughs> supposed to be sending me a few, but I haven't received anything in the mail yet. I mean, you know, uh, but I'm not going to get sidetracked and, you know, anything like that. Yes. But uh, today, uh, Lois has picked a very good subject, I think, that will make for a great discussion that we should all be concerned about. And that is the subject of, you know, being allies for one another and how, how we can walk on that ground. And I'm just going to turn it over to Lois and allow her to just take off on that subject any way she'd like. Well, thanks, Van. And, and thank you all for being here. Um, you know, I, back in the 80s, uh, when I was a senior in college, <clears throat> the last semester of my senior year, I took a course in Jewish-Christian relations. And, and that course set a, a trajectory for me. And I ended up doing a master's in Jewish studies at a Jewish school and working for a Holocaust archive for 10 years and doing uh, Holocaust curriculum, Holocaust poetry, and so on. But when I first began to hear about uh, Christian anti-Semitism, which really is a, uh, a misnomer, <laughs> those two words shouldn't even go together. I felt such a weight, such a burden, such a, uh, so overwhelmed by the guilt of that, that, that people who called themselves Christians would have acted in this way toward Jewish people for centuries. And, um, and, and then I came, as I began teaching the Holocaust and everything, I, uh, one thing became very important to me is the difference between being responsible and responsible. Um, I, I wasn't in the 12th century, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in the Crusades, I wasn't in the Inquisition, I wasn't back there 
doing all those things. I wasn't responsible for those things. But as a Christian who has inherited this history, I need to be responsible, able to make a response. And so it always be, so the study that I did in that area became very important to me in, in talking with Jewish people to study that history and understand it and understand the pain that they mm-hmm. felt. And I think the same kind of thing um, is in the lives of, of white people today. You know, when you, when you see the past, you see the painful past, you see slavery and you see um, Jim Crow and you see the, so many injustices and ongoing uh, prejudice and racism and, and, and implicit, bi- uh, implicit bias and, and, you know, things that just continue to, you know, police brutality and so on. You see all these things and it's, it could be easy to say, well, I, I'm not responsible. I didn't, I didn't do those things. And, and yet as Americans, as white Americans, we have to be responsible. We have to be able to respond. And I think it's a struggle to know how to respond. And especially since this summer, um, you know, the word ally has been thrown around a lot. And, um, you know, it's, it's an important word, I think. Um, some, you know, it's different than the word advocate, you know, because an advocate speaks for someone who can't speak for themselves. And, and yes, there may be instances where, you know, I as, you know, I can sort of, you know, use my white privilege, so to speak, for, to speak if somebody's not, if a black person's not there and I can speak up for them, right? But an advocate doesn't really work because, uh, you know, you're able to speak for yourself, right? But, but I think being an ally is important. Um, so in the same sense that I felt with my Jewish studies though, there's this ongoing, you know, the importance of navigating this tension between listening and learning and taking it all in and acting, you know, okay, it's, it's important to listen and learn and lament. And these are important steps and stages of being an ally, but what do I do with it? When and where and how do I, do I act? Um, I was listening to um, a young woman, Marie Beach. Uh, she did uh, an Instagram video called uh, Ally is a Verb. And um, I, the, the difference between the idea of saying, well, okay, I'm an ally, you know, I've got my little badge, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm for justice, I'm for, um, you know, uh, remedying ills of the past. I'm for being friends with everybody. I love, you know, boom, I, I've done it. I'm, I've got the noun, I've got the badge, I'm done, right? But she says, if you look at ally as a verb, then you're never done, right? If it, the verb aspect is, um, uh, you know, she says, so go, learn, read the books, view the movies, share Black stories, don't take things for granted, don't be complicit, complacency breeds racism, sit with it and reflect on it and look, look it right in the eye and recognize what you need to work on and go do it. Focus on what you can actively be doing, the choices you can make every day for the sake of Black people, not just for your own interests. So to just say I'm an ally, uh, in, in a sense, for some people could be like, Whew, got rid of that guilt, you know, 
uh, got rid of that responsibility. I'm an ally. I'm in, I'm in this, I'm on this team, you know. Um, but if you look at it as a verb, um, every day that I've got to ask myself, what can I do? How should I respond? What, how can I be? And that's a lot more challenging. And so one thing I'm interested to, to discuss with you as my brothers is, um, you know, like this summer when, uh, when right in the aftermath of, of, you know, George Floyd's murder and, and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and, and, you know, and then on and on, it just seems like it just didn't stop. The, the level of lament, you know, in, in, was so, so heavy. And I, you know, I, I realized that this is the heaviness that the black community feels and bears and wears all the time. Yes. You know, this isn't, this is no new thing, right? And, you know, a lot of my white friends were like, oh, you know, I'm so exhausted. You know, this is just so grievous. And so I feel so broken over this. And I think, yeah, that's the kind of brokenness that our friends feel all the time. You know, this is no new story, unfortunately. It's no new story. And I began to go through all of the wonderful resources in the Be the Bridge group uh, with Latasha Morrison and work through that. You, when you join that group, you commit to silence for three months. So right after George Floyd, those three months, I was, I was silent in the group, but learning, you know, hours and hours and hours of taking it in. And one, one thing somebody said was, you know, don't, don't just, you know, look for every black person, you know, and like try to look, you know, grab them now. And uh, I need to learn from you, you know, because, you know, but, but to look for people that are, that are talking, that are willing to be talking, that are willing to be saying, because this is trauma and not every black person, you know, you know, is going to feel like talking about it. It would be like, you know, uh, let me run out and find all the women I can find and have, talk to them about, uh, you know, sexual assault or rape. It's like, whoa, 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 right? So these are the tensions I wanted to talk about that how do you navigate, on the one hand, listening, learning, lamenting with action? How do you, how do you navigate those two things? And the other thing is, how do you deal with the interaction uh, between black and white people who, um, black folks who are bearing this all the time and white folks who may or may not be brand new to it, right? I mean, um, my involvement with the black community at least has history of 25 years. I was in Birmingham and working in the projects and everything, but not every day, right? And so it's different, it's a different world. And so this is the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about. How, how when you look at the idea of having an ally, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? What helps, what doesn't help? Mm -hmm. Sterling? Well, you know, I, I believe that I've seen over the years, white people, who say they want to be an ally to black people, but they, they are not ready for the sacrifice associated with that. Um, and uh, 
course, I, I, I believe that you just stated it well about the the day-to-day -day, um, struggle to breathe. Um, going with the knee on the neck, which is becoming more and more um, iconic and, and more and more of a, um, a subject text for discussions. If white people in my life could hit a button and instantly remove the privileges afforded to them along racial lines, would they hit that button? I mean, well, it, to me, the, the, the whole concept of Ally says, let's dismantle any and everything that has made one group privileged at the expense of another group. And it doesn't mean that we reach the lowest common denominator. What it should mean, and I believe it ultimately would mean, is that we all reach the highest common denominator. So the ally that I've seen over time in discussion is one that will dedicate to a cause until another cause catches their fancy. So you can be an ally with me as long as that is the, is the popular prevailing cause. But as soon as the media uh, dies down or as soon as the temperature goes down, then you're now trying to save the forest or save the porpoise or save the golden sheep walkers while I'm still black and will still be black long after uh, you've left or long after you've gone on to something else. So uh, I've been very cautious of recent discussions regarding the allies because I know from past experience, not that we can't learn anything new because I realize that we can't, but from past experience, there's a, there's a, a clock associated with it. And that clock is, is, um, is wound up. And once, once it winds down, they're going to go over to something else and become an, a, maybe an ally to the uh, uh, Eskimos or, or something else. But, but I will, not, I will mm -hmm. no longer be at the top of their list. So anyway, I, and I'm not trying to shed any negative light on this. I'm just sort of looking back over time um, at, at people. And, and, and get this, uh, I've known allies who are white who paid the full price. If you look back at uh, Reeb, uh, Reeb was killed uh, uh, in the, I, I want to say the Selma, um, uh, experience. And then uh, just recently, Gratz died, who had been very involved in Montgomery. These were white guys who, who walked the full length and gave maximum sacrifice of, of, of their lives. So there are those who are very sincere, and they don't use the term ally, but their actions portray it. Whereas there, the truth is genuine allyship is not kindness. It's not a charitable act. It, it is, it, it's not even a personal commitment to hold anti-racist ideas. It, it's, it, it's a fall from the grace of white privilege. 
it's a, it's a it's taken a deliberate step to step off of the platform of white privilege and to consciously reach for the brother or sister who is black it, a hand to pull up and not just a hand out it's a, it's a conscious attempt to live out a Micah 6 8. Uh, I, I probably am rambling now, but I, I hope you've gotten the point. Miss, you want to jump in or are you? Well, Van, I just want to um, just say I'm, I'm uh, sort of absorbing between what Roy said and what Sterling has brought up. And I think that um, we're probably on the right path. I'm, I'm new to the conversation about allies. I asked the question when we were offline about it last week. Um, you know, I, I'm, and so I, but I think that I'm familiar with the concept, just didn't know the label. But I think that as we um, explore this whole idea, especially with the church and where we are in terms of our straight talk uh, issue, I think that um, there is a lot of hypocrisy and I know we're gonna talk about hypocrisy in a, in a little bit, but I think there's a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of things that are looked at from one level and it depends on, I guess, what lens you're looking at things through and, um, and how that relates to where we are and what we're doing. Yeah. So I just wanna leave it there as we get into uh, the rest of the discussion. Okay. Well, I, my, my little quick reflections on this thought, I think that, uh, first of all, I deeply appreciate Lois and Sterling sharing uh, a sobering uh, yet challenging conversation that's uh, at the root of this. And all I can think about, the word that comes to me is the word uh, sacrifice. That uh, I believe it was um, Francis Schaeffer, uh, when he was alive, he spoke one time at uh, uh, Regent University, CBN, uh, station and that day in the audience was all filled with scholars and theologians when Francis spoke and I remember watching it on TV and he said that the the, the demise of America was will probably be our our proclivities for uh, personal peace and affluence personal peace and affluence because even aside from racism which is paramount to me there are so many other things that we need to be allies to, uh, most of all, um, our commitment to Christ and our willing to lay it all down. And I think even the way America has come to Christianity on this issue uh, shows fruit in that, you know, we, we as in, in, in the United States, we come to Jesus, we just ask Jesus into our heart. And uh, if we admit, if we're honest, we admit there's a whole lot of other things in our heart at the same time. So there's this challenge. And then the point I'm getting at is that I like the, the uh, analogy of General MacArthur when the uh, Japanese Admiral came to him on the ship and he stuck out his hand and MacArthur said, don't give me your hand, give me your sword. And to become a Christian, I think what is sine qua non is that we don't come to Jesus and lay down our life from the outset. The whole premise by which we come to Christ is we add him to our life 
instead of laid down our life. And I think if we laid down our life, this whole concept of issues like racism uh, that Lois raised and being allies, it would be a normal step for a people that have already died to self, died to self, because self-preservation is the first law that we're, that we're all somewhat committed to in different ways. But the idea of laying it down, I mean, laying it down uh, to the Lord means that whether it's the, our Jewish brothers and sisters, whether it's black Americans, whether it's white Americans, um, whatever, whoever is the people may be. And certainly from our perspective, I agree with Sterling. Um, I mean, people don't even understand the physical problems that the black community has taken on, high blood, uh, stress. Living under this has affected us physically. Do you know that last night, I kid you not, last night I dreamed and in my dream, I woke up a slave and it almost scared me to death. I thought, no, I, no, because <laughs> I'm born now and I wouldn't want to have been born. You know, I'm so grateful to God that I wasn't born back then because I wouldn't want to be anybody's slave. But at the same time, I mourn for those who were born back then. And, and as an African-American, I don't believe in ancestral worship but I do believe in ancestral reverence and respect that I give them because if they had not gone through what they went through and gave their life, I would not be sitting here today a half-educated Negro. <laughs> that just would not be true. And I'm grateful to God for that. But I think at the core of this whole thing, I think theologically we have to come back to this. Well, did we did we give the Lord our life? Did we lay it down at his feet? Did we lay it down at his feet? And if I did, then the expressions, the verb that Lois talked about, I think would come easier for us because we're, we're, we're operating from a died to self situation to come alive to God. And I think it, I think that, you know, I'm like Sterling. I, I may not trust uh, I'm, I, I, when I was a pastor, Lois, I used to say to people, uh, I operate on this premise, uh, trust God and love the people. Trust God, love the people, which what I was saying was, I don't trust you, but I trust God <laughs> because people will let you down. I mean, people will let you down if, even if they're of the same ethnicity, people will let you down. But I think as a pastor, I had recognized but I'm called, I'm a servant in the Lord's house. And so I've got to trust God ultimately and just love his people. And then if they do me right, do me wrong, that becomes a secondary issue. But I think, I think, I hope I'm saying this. I, I, I believe at the core of this thing, lay down our life and then we won't be fighting for self-preservation because I hate the idea of someone walking with me and then all of a sudden they're in a position where they pull away from me for self-preservation because of what is coming against them because they're affiliated with me, you know? And so that would be, a, a, you know, that would be a, a betrayal to me. That would be a betrayal. And I think in order for all of us to avoid the betrayal, I think if it's truth from God's word and we lay it down, we lay it on our lives and every day we die daily, it might be a little more, advantageous in these particular areas. Well, Lois? 
I, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling the, the uh, I'm feeling what you said, Sterling, about the ultimate sacrifice. Yes. Yes. And it seemed, I mean, all of us have this one life to live, right? And we're all on this this path. Yes. And 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 the four of us here, we are on a path together at this moment in this time. We weren't on this path before together. We didn't know each other, right? Right. We may not, we may not be on the same roads in the future, but I think we're on the same path. And and all of us, I, I think, you know, as believers, we're called, like you said, to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And different things come up to us on this path. God shows us different ways of being. Maybe the three of you have had times where you've realized certain things about what women have gone through or, you know, whatever, what older people, I'm realizing more and more, you know, I mean, my, my mom is 90 and I'm, I'm getting into the age where younger people are looking at me and, you know, you feel that ageism a little bit too, you know, so I think these justice issues come up. I, I, I would hate to think that if, that, and this is what I'm talking about, the tension of navigating this, because I really am trying to navigate it. And, and, and I don't think, and like Jamar Tisby said on, on one of his um, episodes, it's messy, right? It is messy. It is Relationship messy. is messy. It's beautiful and it's good and it's rich, but it's messy. And and we don't get it all perfect. But but I think the important thing is that that in these moments where God has us walking together, you know, how can we do it to his glory and to one another's benefit and and in a way that that justice is done in the earth, that mercy is shown in the earth, that there is humility. And I think the humility comes in too, where you're talking about the white privilege coming down, right? Yes. <laughs> and acknowledging, you know, I mean, I, I have I have so many white friends and family that are, you know, are really struggling to know how to be right, do right. But I have other white people that I'm seeing and listening to and watching going, and I'm going, what in the world? What planet are you on? You know? Um, some that are even pulling back now from commitments or things or feelings they felt earlier in the summer because of this, oh, you know, critical race theory and Marxism and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, you know, and, and uh, it's like, no, our, our foundation, there's, there's enough in the gospel to help us as believers to, to know how to do this right. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> The, the, the fruit of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we would just do those things, of course, there never would have been slavery if, if the church had been doing those things, right? Well, that's right. That's right. You know, guys, um, in my statement, uh, and I know you understand this, but I'm speaking at, in the broadest a possible era of um, of the USA over the last hundred years of seventy five of which I'm very familiar with. Um, but I am a Jim Crow survivor. 
Um, so I'm very familiar with going to pay at the front and get my hot dog at the back. I'm very familiar with, with actually not just seeing pictures of it, which are, don't really do the full job. I'm very familiar with going to the small little water fountain that is filthy uh, next to the one that is stainless steel uh, and very clean and uh, the coils are, are, are sparkling. I'm familiar with that. I'm familiar with having to go to the the outhouse as opposed to the bathroom. Uh, so, so, um, but, but it, and this is probably going to sound crazy, but none of those things really cause any um, trepidation because it was the norm at the time. And all of us, uh, my whole crew, and many of them us, well, there are a few of us that are still alive, um, felt like um, there, there's a better day coming, and we're trying to prepare ourselves for the better day. Now, the thing that would sidetrack us is that um, we would get what I believe were well-meaning um, white associates as we enter into the professional arena, who uh, said what they believe were the right things in an attempt to come alongside. And of course, that was welcomed. What happens though, is that out of the uh, 20 that comes, if four remains, it's, it's a miracle. And it's not because they're bad people, it's just that uh, the, the trials of life will cause you to have to prioritize and reprioritize your commitments. And as they come under those trials, uh, sometimes it's a rejection by some of their neighbors, or uh, maybe there's some press that uh, was uh, uh, negative, or perhaps they have loved ones that are unwilling to get on the same boat with them or travel the same road, whatever they were, it would cause them to back up. And we never held that against them because that's just the way it was. And uh, the unfortunate part about it is that you learn to expect that. You learn to anticipate that they're going to get off when the, when the heat gets to a certain point. So let's maximize uh, the, the uh, positive results of our togetherness while we're together, knowing that down the road, they're gonna leave. Um, and I, I hope you can appreciate that this is, a, this is really just a statement of the way it has been from where I live and from where I, I grew up and, and the things I was involved in. I will say this, though, when you look at a Swerner, Goodman, and Cheney, it, it does give you a picture of what the full extent is as it relates to being allies. I mean, they went down into hostile country. They went down with the intent of registration, and they, they died mm. uh, trying to do the right thing. Um, <clears throat> I believe that that's a picture of what the cross looks like. You know, Christ comes down to, to be the savior of, of, of the world and he's rejected by his own people. But then there were those who uh, said that they were with him and then they ran back. And um, this is gonna sound a bit sexist here, but the only people that really stayed with Christ were the women and they 
they they did not leave his side. They matter of fact, they you couldn't force them away, and um, they were true. <laughs> they were true allies, and uh, I, I'm convinced that we need more of that type of commitment in order for all to rise up. Um, and as as a survivor of Jim Crow, that's that's my perspective today. And I, I what a what an amazing perspective, you know, for you to be able to and willing to share that. Yeah. And I'm uh, I'm thinking about um, <laughs> I'm thinking about Van and and his wife and and how in an interracial uh, marriage you, the the ally can't leave <laughs> or hopefully never leaves. So yeah. that's a wonderful example of allies. Um, I, I think I, I wanted to touch just for a second on the, the aspect of social media because, and, and the idea of virtue signaling, which is a, a word I've just kind of bumped into lately that, you know, uh, I don't know how active you guys are on, on Facebook. I think Van uh, is, is pretty active, but um, you know, so many things just keep coming up one after another after another just this week with uh, taylor and the and the, the ruling uh you know just you just want to pull your hair out you just want to put sackcloth and ashes on and and so and and so then the posting thing the posting question comes you know do i pose what do i pose how can i how can i even do this justice you know what can i say and then if you don't post because you choose to take a day to lament and mourn and pray, then the, the, the silence is deafening on social media. Like, oh, you know, Lois doesn't care that this, uh, this ruling came on Brianna Taylor. She didn't post anything, you know, like, so there's the vir virtue signaling, you know, I'm posting because I want people to think well of me i want you know i want my black friends to know i'm there i'm with them i see i haven't disappeared i'm not backing off and yet then if you do too much and again this is the whole part of the tension of this navigating this this topic if i if i'm there too much then it looks like virtue signaling like i'm just there to be seen or there to be so somebody will know that i care you know and um so that you know it, I, I have to keep coming back to we we live and you know work for an audience of one. What what we do, scripture says, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord. And I have to come back to that sometimes because yes, I want my brothers and sisters to know I'm with them. And yet, you know. I don't want to look, and this is kind of segues into this hypocrisy thing we, you wanted to talk about, you know, how do we, how do we live and do what we do publicly without being hypocrites? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, if I put myself out there and say, I care about something and then something else like that comes up, but I don't say something, am I being a hypocrite by not going far enough, you know, with it? And you know, we have, we, I, I do believe it's important to come back to all that we do being as worship unto the Lord, because God knows our hearts. We don't even know our own hearts, you know, but when we're part of the body of Christ, we, 
we we're joined together. We we are committed to each other, and it's it's so much trickier in this current day of how to how to live that out in a social public mm-hmm. uh, social media public kind of world. Well, Lois, I think the other thing that thought to come across my mind is that uh, through my studies and 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 certainly I don't have the Jim Crow experience that uh, Sterling has had. But I do, I do know that as I study history and listen to the commentary today, that I say, it, it fi- one day it finally dawned on me that, oh my goodness, these people were our enemies. I mean, colonialism in America was white people against black people and from the black person's perspective, they were the enemy. So that, I remember the day that that finally set in on me. So, oh my goodness, my enemy? I mean, historically. But I think, Lois, part of the thought for allies is that each one of us has to accept the fact that, well, you know what? If I stand with this group, my own group may become my enemy. They may write me off. They may ostracize me. They will, all of a sudden, they will see me as the enemy and I will understand them to be the enemy. And that will be an awkward situation. That's kind of like where Jesus says, you know, that if you're going to follow me, you got to give up mother, father. Uh, You got to give up everybody and let me be the number one person. And that means that your mother, your own father, your own sister, your own brother could become your enemy or think you are the enemy by following that road that God is calling you to. And I think that's something in all of our psyches has to be wrestled with before the altar of God, primarily. And then uh, something that is shared in conversation in that safe space amongst colleagues who are of like vision. So, Dennis, what do you think if you're... I'm here. I'm here, Van. I'm just... um, The conversation this morning has just gotten real intense, and I just kind of let Carolyn and Lewis kind of uh, vent on their intensity. And so I think you and I both felt the same way. So, um, you know, I'm I'm just listening, and I'm I'm, I'm absorbing. Okay. Um, Jim Crow information, I just want to mention that my experience with it, uh, not really being in the Deep South either, was through my dad, who uh, went back to South Carolina to his father's church. And um, I used to travel with him once a month back and forth to South Carolina. And we used to, we, I've had the experience of going in the drug stores where there was, um, we couldn't sit at the soda fountain because of, uh, it was black only. It's also two of going in the service stations and seeing colored on the water fountains and in the restrooms and those sort of things. Because in Baltimore, I didn't see it as much as I did when I went south to New Orleans with him. And then seeing how the integration of my dad as we were growing up, I remember sharing with him one time about the weather from the uh, meteorologist or the TV station. And he didn't want to accept it because the job where he was at, the white man had told him what the weather was going to be the next day. And he said to me, so I was kind of tension with my dad. Well, me, I just said, this ain't going to happen. He tell me this is. And his point was that white man said it. 
that white music. And um, and I realized my God, my dad was accustomed to believing whatever white man said, because he came through that era. And mm. it was sad to me as a teenager to hear my dad mm. um, into that vein, but that was where he was. And it kind of hooked me up to where everything was at that point. And of course, uh, not long after that, having uh, gone to DC from Baltimore in the civil rights march in 63, uh, uh, going over there to see hear Martin Luther King and seeing that uh, I saw from behind a fence from a distance Martin Luther King do the I have a dream speech. And that was, uh, but I was far away. I just remember seeing this movie. It took years for the impact of that to really get. Yeah. Well, maybe we should segue a little bit here in the time we have, which is not much, but um, we Lois mentioned that, internet, that this subject of hypocrisy, um, you know, that may be something that we, uh, you know, and to me, hypocrisy is all about, uh, am I really with the Lord <laughs> the way I say I am with the Lord? <laughs> And I think on this issue, it really comes down to, it's primarily our commitment of laying down our life to the Lord and then to our brothers and sisters. And, and your brothers and sisters may not even take, it's like Jesus on the cross. Uh, mankind, it seemed like, was against him. But he did it to please his father first. He did it to please his father. And I think if we keep the priorities straight, of saying that, as you said, Lois, that this is first of all unto the Lord. I'm I'm going to side with my Jewish sisters and brothers, my white sisters and brothers, my black sisters and brothers, because my Lord is the father of us all. And even if I'm misunderstood by my Jewish sisters and black brothers and white white brothers, whatever it may be, uh, that is a secondary emphasis of which I'm concerned but even in the difficulty and struggle, it's because primarily we live for the audience of one and we're trying to please God. And then we're trying to flesh it out down here, which requires a dialogue, which means my first attempt may not be correct. It may not, but I've got to have a safe place where like Tom Benz, he's not on today, but I've known Tom Benz for years. And, uh, you know, so I have a kind of relationship with him that, that if he walked away from me, I would be totally shocked. I mean, I think he has demonstrated through the years he's in. And I, I would pray that he's in, not because of it, he loves me most of all, but because he loves the Lord most of all. And that will sustain him no matter what the, the circumstances of life may bring to him. That's right. You know, I, I think... Um... I think it was uh, Sterling or Dennis was talking, or maybe, maybe it was you, I'm sorry. Uh, but it was one of the three of you. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about- Well, we all look alike, Lois, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, at least you can't get me mixed up. I'm the only woman here today. Oh, yeah, we got uh, Not this time. Uh, you know, this sense of loss, you know, and, and I have experienced that with, with family members, you know, uh, some of the, the racial advocacy, uh, actually a good bit of it is, is aligning with, you know, political viewpoints that I have. 
that, you know, certain family or friends just can't, don't understand and don't, can't, can't accept and think I'm, you know, I've gone off the beam and, and yeah, it's been that way for, for a while. I, you know, I remember when I went to the women's march in 2017 and boy, you know, I, I really had a, a rough go after that. And at the time, you know, I was seminary faculty and, and of course I'm still ordained AG minister, but people who didn't understand why I went or didn't know me or didn't know uh, what, I, what part of that I was supporting, uh, wanted my credentials and wanted my, my job, you know, and but even now with the current the current situation, which is so incredibly tense and so not, it's, it's this, this perfect storm, not only of racial issues, but, but of, uh, you know, the political storm and, and really our, our global storm, you know, our, our earth and our people. I mean, it seems like everything and the health crisis is all happening at once right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, um, it, it is people, it's making it hard for, you know, people to just be together. And, and because, you know, there's so much side taking and so on and so forth. And I think for me, on the hypocrisy issue, what, what breaks my heart as, as a mom and as a, um, as a person watching the millennial generation look at the church and say, why would I want to be a part of the church? You know, look at the way they're acting sort of thing. You know, both my girls, our girls are, you know, not in the community of, of church uh, at the moment. Of course, none of us are going to church right, right now because of the COVID. But, you know, for many years, they have just said, you know what? You know, and um, they're, they in many of the arguments that they have and that other millennials have, they're good arguments, you know, and the church has work to do. Yes. You know, we have a lot of work to do to yes. be the church, to be Christ in the world, to, to yeah. love one another within the church and to love the world. And, you know, God help us. We need, yeah. you know, I was laying in bed last night when I couldn't sleep. I, slept and woke up and laying in bed and I was just laying there just just praying for everything you know it's like oh god have mercy on our our world you know have mercy on us forgive us of our sins and teach us how to be the the people that you want us to be and and you know uh help us (laughs) to know how to what justice means what mercy means what what walking humbly with you means, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, well, that's, that's just, that's my cry, yeah. you know, help us get this right. God. Yes. There's so much at stake. And I think that we have to go back to, I forget Sterling, uh, the one uh, professor made that, um, racism was the original sin, uh, of the white church of America. And I think, C.T. Vivian was, was yes, yes. Yeah. I was reading about him this morning. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Conwell has some things to say about him. It was really good, though. It oh, really yeah. was good. C.T. Uh, was a giant, man. He was a giant. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
And I think that until there's a, like the Southern Baptists have owned up in, in uh, Robert Jones' book, White Too Long. Yeah. Uh, I read that book three times. And uh, Robert is in trouble right now because a lot of people, whites are threatened by his truthfulness. Mm-hmm. But until that moment of truthfulness is owned up to, the hypocrisy is that we have somehow trying to galvanize uh, nationalism with Christianity. And that is a huge mistake in America. And the millennials, I mean, like on Black Lives Matter, one of the things here in Jacksonville, when I was out protesting with them, I could not believe the number of young white people, young people, that they overwhelmed the crowd. I mean, it was like I was a minority once again on my own issue. (laughs) That was amazing to me, but I could see that they get it. They get what it should be, and the church is not here yet. So their argument against the institution of the church, in a sense, is a valid one because we have not owned up to denying ourselves, take up our cross, and follow our Lord like we should have in this country. And if we don't hurry up and catch up with that thought of repentance and humility and all of that, then the young people will continue to look at us uh, as you are hypocrites. Sterling, what do you think? Well, I I, I got some good news and some bad news, actually. Um, which do we get first? <laughs> <laughs> Always good news. I've braced myself here. <laughs> well, uh, the, uh, the good news is that uh, I believe that the, the voices that are raised, the white voices that are raised, I believe that they're very sincere and they put a lot on the line to come out and, uh, and let their pictures be associated with uh, what many who are sitting on the sidelines are calling uh, a violent um, uh, thugs and other names that are a lot uh, worse that I would not dare repeat uh, on, on uh, the media. And so when the white people are doing that, the young people and older people also I think that they are they're genuinely sincere and prepared at that moment to go the full distance if necessary. And we've seen that over time. So it's, 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 uh, it's good. I mean, to me, that, that's good news. I, and I, of course, in the, in the circles I, I uh, frequent here uh, in, uh, in Texas, which is, has not accepted the fact that it is not a country. <laughs> uh, yet, um, uh, I, what I notice is that there are some very good folk who have come along uh, side and say, "Well, let's you know, let's get this done," and and they're they're ready to make it happen, make uh, equity uh, a target. Let's make equity a target, um, and it has become obvious to me that many of my white peers are at a loss for what to do in this critical moment to prove themselves different from the ones they have come to view as the true agents of white supremacy. So I have to applaud them for that. 
but the, the, the other side of that coin, which is uh, bad news without intent, is when the temperature goes down and when we have been freed from the shackles of COVID and get back to whatever is going to be called normal, if another um, cause surfaces, at least 80%, and I'm just using the 80-20 rule, 80% of those individuals will then shift uh, to that because they will see that their investment of their gifts, skills, talent, time, and treasure was enough. And so now they're going to go and do another cause. Um, so, and, I, and, and I, I'm not too quick to label that as hypocrisy either, because I don't necessarily see them as hypocrites. I, I do perhaps think that there's some misdirection uh, of, the, uh, of, of uh, what God's intent is for us to pick up our cross and, and follow him daily. I, I think that there's some misdirection in understanding that. And it's done because we live in a time where the church is in great apostasy. I'm not even sure that the church in America is the church of Christ. I, I don't, uh, I'm beginning to doubt, well, no, I'm just being honest with you. I, I'm beginning to doubt whether, whether the church in America is even uh, uh, a Christ-centered uh, entity. Um, I think it's a human-centered entity. I think that we're, we're great at emotions. We're great at feelings, feeling good. We're great at entertainment. We're great at uh, celebrism. And I mean, we're great at those things, but we're not very great at, at lifting the Savior up. And, and you can see that because if you lift the Savior up, since God can't lie, he said, I'll draw all men into me. Well, if you're not lift, lifting him up and you're lifting yourself up, then there are certain uh, prices that you pay for that with that. So I imagine that um, over time, we're gonna see more and more falling away from the cross of Christ and coming closer and closer to the celebrity uh, of Christ and celebrating how good he is and how great he is and all that. But it's, that's not church to me. I, I think that church is really not about that. And I think that when we are into the throes of it, I remember Paul saying, and um, where is that? That's in First um, Timothy chapter six, I believe it's verse 11. He says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Now the godliness part is a challenge, of course, pursuing godliness, because as I pursue godliness, then many of these other uh, weights drop off. But godliness with contentment is a great challenge because we've learned how to be, to be about wanting more and to, to try to corner the market so that me and mine will never be without. So contentment does not live at that address, you see. Mm -hmm. And then for, to, to say it is great gain implies that it is greater than anything else that you would have been pursuing. So pursue godliness. And he says that, of course, in the fourth chapter, when he, when he tells Timothy to train yourself in godliness. Anyway, thank you for asking. Yeah. Good preaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good. Uh, you got a cash app with you there? Uh. <laughs> I was getting ready to repent. <laughs> well, well, ready. We only got about four minutes left, but let me just say that um, a, a lot of things that we're saying, um, 
Sterling brought up, I think needs to carry over to next week, Dan. Uh, I think we need to talk about this idea of hypocrisy and the church. And I, I don't recall the author, but I remember this quote. I've used it a lot. And it, uh, it goes back to something that, that uh, Sterling just said. And he said that Christianity started off in Palestine as a uh, small cell group, went to Greece and became philosophy, went to Europe and became a culture, <laughs> came to America and became a enterprise. Wow. wow. Yeah, I've heard that. That's, that's, that's a serious statement, man. That's a serious statement. Yes. You know, Van, um, you had uh, mentioned the book uh, Credible Witness by Brenda Salter McNeil, and uh, I've been reading that. I'm about halfway through, and uh, I think I think a lot that she's talking about in there is is what we're we're called to right now. You know, our our actions and all that we do in the in, in, as believers, um, are we a credible witness to the world? Um, our, our, our lives, our thoughts, our actions, um, you know, we all fail. We all have sins. We all need to repent. We all mess up. We all have shortcomings and areas where we haven't grown yet. But, but um, what about our lives, you know, can be a credible witness to people that don't know Jesus yet, that they would look at us and say, yeah, yeah, there's something about that. Yeah. As opposed to seeing a bunch of self-centered jerks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think that's something that uh, Lois said she uh, through the night. You were just praying and seeking the Lord. I mean, in this, in this time, this perfect storm, uh, the Lord, I think he's trying to get the attention of the church. Oh, yeah. And there ought to be, this ought to be a time of great self-reflection and critiquing of our own existence before this perfect storm goes away and we go back to whatever, but we ought to come out better than we were when we went into this. Right. And if we don't come out better than we didn't learn a lesson, and guess what? Another storm is coming. Another storm is coming. And I think our time, Dennis, is just about up. Yes, yes. Uh, but we're looking forward to keep continuing this one next week. Yes, I, I, think, think, I think we're on to something. Something interesting. Yeah, I'd like to hear about, you know, are we one nation under God? Is America a Christian nation, or are there just Christians in this nation? <laughs> that might be worth a discussion about yeah. the hypocrisy. Have, have you guys seen uh, the red hat with the white lettering that it says, made, made you look, Black Lives Matter? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. That made you look. Amazing. Well, I've appreciated all the discussion today, and I think we've we've we're digging deeper, and uh, I think uh, we have to. I think I think we have to take the time since we're in this perfect storm that the Lord would have us to search our souls, yeah, even in conversation with each other to yeah. come, as you said, with Micah. We need to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Um, so that whatever in this trial, the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter eight, I brought you this way into this wilderness that I might humble you, that I might prove you, that I might show you what's in your heart, that in the end, I might do you good. Oh, that's good. I think, I think in this, this yeah. wilderness, we need to say, Lord, as we pass through these vicissitudes, 
uh, we realize that you're humbling us, you're proving us, you're showing us those in our hearts so that in the end, you can do us good. And that's my prayer that be so. our audience, as well as our panel, we will all respond to our Lord in the midst of this and make sure everything he wants us to glean and gain in this moment, uh, we will receive that for his glory and for his honor. Amen. So, Dennis, should I close us in prayer? Or, um, oh, yes, go ahead. Please do. Okay. We, want, we still want we'll, to take We'll pick it up right next week, as he said. We'll be picking it up, and hopefully. And, and, and Lois, thank you for raising this subject, because I think we've really uh, uh, accomplished a lot today, and I hope our audience feels the same way. Thank you so, for, yeah. for your hearts and for being willing to talk about it. Oh. Lois, Lois, thank you for being a true ally. Well, yeah, she is an ally. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'm an al and I'm going to be a verb ally. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we don't like those nouns around. Yeah, here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> other, other than the nature of our Lord, He's a noun. Yes. I have to go ally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, anyhow, I say to our audience: uh, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord in this hour that we live lift up the light of his countenance upon each one of us and give us shalom in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go with God. God bless you. Amen. We are off to last. Okay. Well, uh, still thank recording you. though. Good discussion. Oh, yeah, we're always still recording. Okay. We'll just stop the